Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Princeton University Press Ideas Podcast, a joint production of Princeton University Press and the New Books Network. I'm Mark Clovis, and today I'm speaking with Gabriel Abend, author of the book Words and Distinctions for the Common Good, Practical Reason and the Logic of Social Science. Gabriel, welcome to the New Books Network. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for agreeing to be on our podcast. I was wondering if you could start us off by telling our listeners something about yourself. I hail from Uruguay where um, I attended university, then I got my PhD at Northwestern, um, then joined the NYU faculty as an assistant and later associate professor of sociology. And more recently, I became a professor at the University of Lucerne in Switzerland. And I'm interested in many topics, but one of them is how to do social science research and what for, what's the point? I, I think it's a it's a fascinating subject, and it's one that you oftentimes hear discussed when you're, say, in graduate school, and they they talk about it in in a way that sometimes is very kind of limiting in terms of the the discipline itself, and yet you have this very uh, wide ranging examination. What led you to undertake this book, and what led you to adopt such a broad focus in terms of not just talking about sociology, but really the social sciences in general? Yeah, I had spent uh, uh, a long time thinking about a fundamental question for social science theory and methods, um, and that's what is a sandwich? So, so uh, and in particular, whether a hot dog is a sandwich. So I thought I would ask you, Mark, um, what do you think a sandwich is? Well, I, when I think of a sandwich, I think of, I have a mental image of two separate pieces of bread with a variety of ingredients uh, between them. Right. And and would you say that uh, a hot dog is a sandwich? Well, I'm in, the ca- I'm in the camp of people who say it is not a sandwich. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, very interesting. Well, I mean, see, th- this is the question that got me started because I, I was uh, also thinking about social science disputes over their key words. And no matter which uh, literature you look at, you know, psychology, political science, anthropology, history, sociology, um, you find disputes over certain key words, which surprisingly perhaps look very much to me like disputes over what a sandwich is. And, (laughs) And then, you know, there are special cases such as hot dog where where different parties argue over and over. And uh, what is key here is that these disputes will repeat themselves and they never seem to come to an end. So I wonder, is there something that can be done about this or, or should we just give up on them, so to speak? It, it seems that what you're uh, trying to do here is, is nothing less than correct in human nature because I, I was... You know, I, I was reading your description of, of the sandwich hot dog dispute, and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, which is uh, it, it. It seems that at, at its core, it's about how we like to 
quarrel over what are sometimes trivial things. And yet, as you explained, you know, these disputes when it comes to the social sciences really matter and, and how they can sometimes interfere with the uh, academic discourse and uh, the the search for knowledge, how we try to explain things, and and how it's oftentimes you know seriously disruptive. Yeah, in fact, uh, they matter in a very straightforward way. Um, I'm thinking in the book of uh, practitioners, meaning researchers. So it's not a philosophical or metaphysical inquiry, but rather I'm thinking. One example that I like is the student who, who, who comes to office hours and wants to write a thesis about, I don't know, um, let's say religious participation in, in South America. And so they ask you, so so what, what should we count or what should I count as, um, as a religion? And then it's obvious that the results, the findings depend partly on which things or which uh, institutions will count. So you might say that for sure uh, Christianity and Judaism and Islam and so on will count. But then if if the student were to ask you, so uh, is Buddhism a religion that should be included in my, in my study or is Umbanda a, a religion? I, I don't really know what to say. And uh, you know, as, as you're saying, the, the reason why this matters is that the results, the empirical results depend on what is included in this category of things about which uh, we are making claims. And I'm thinking also about how we get to these, you know, these other aspects of like, if you're talking about a large religion, well, what constitutes large? You know, some people might say large has to have X number, and other people say no, it's Y, and and how that disrupts it as well. And it it it, it just seems that I was thinking as I was reading your book about how it's one of the criticisms I think that people oftentimes have of academic discourse is that we spend so much time arguing over you know what is is so to speak that that we uh, that it, it seems as though it's there is no real value to to what it is we're doing that we're you know talking about angel you know angels dancing uh, at the head of a pin versus you know the 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 parts of it that that really matter mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah uh, the the other thing that I wanted to say about the the implications of this debate and where uh, and why I find uh analogies between the sandwich case and, and all of the social science uh conceptual disputes, is that there are many things at stake for the involved parties. So in the in the sandwich case, uh, it's very obvious that there are material consequences to how you specify the extension of the word sandwich. What we sometimes say, how we define the word uh, sandwich, but uh, I prefer to speak of extensions or uses of words. And so, for instance, there is this this uh, case in Massachusetts that I that I discussed, where the issue was whether a burrito is a sandwich, <laughs> and the, the, I mean it's basically uh, you know uh, there is a shopping center that has an exclusivity clause with a sandwich shop. I think it was Panera Bread, where you know they were supposed to be the only the only um, sandwich shopping shopping center and, and and then the question is whether Qdoba because it sells burritos 
has a right to leave space or not, and, and that means it all depends on whether a burrito is a sandwich. So the, the legal case, it's very obvious that what's at stake is the interests, the material interests of two companies. Now, when you move to the uh, social science um, fields, more or less the same it's happening. It's not so obvious that you know there is money at stake, but in fact, there is there are publications, um, jobs, status, all sorts of things depend on what counts as being an instance of whatever keyword you're studying. Let's say, uh, I don't know, in psychology, intelligence, altruism, or or uh, in political science, uh, populism, or the welfare state. If you get to um, to define these keywords, you will have certain beneficial outcomes for yourself. And so in this sense, it again reminds me of those uh, perhaps trivial uh, conversations online about what is a sandwich. Another aspect of this that that you address, which I thought was interesting as well, is is how there all there have been periodically these attempts to sort of create a standardized definition, and it, it there, there's just something so fascinating about how we we never can seem to agree upon these things. I mean, you have dictionary definitions, and you might have uh, you know definitions that we import from places that are that that are exact. But it seems social scientists, you know, they you know, whatever they, they, they try to reach for this, the, this notion of standardization, how it proves chimerical how, about how, you know, it, we, they end up falling up that, uh, they, they end up, uh, you know, quarreling over it so much that it ends up being a fruitless exercise. Yeah. Uh, the problem is that, that there are basically two levels here at stake. So you have to see at some, the first order level, say it's at the literature and trust, let's say. And so they're trying to agree on how to use the word trust and what it does and doesn't apply to. But then you have a second order, which is something like which criteria or principles or sources or something like that are going to be used to judge different definitions or uses of the word trust. And let's say someone someone argues that it should be consistent with a dictionary and someone else argues that it should not, that the dictionary um, doesn't uh, dictate how social science works or something like that. And then what do you do? But even within the camp of the people who argue for, let's say, the dictionary playing a role, there are some who say, well, it should be Merriam-Webster, and someone else who says, why should Merriam-Webster get the last word here, there are many dictionaries, and then yet a third person who says, why is this all in English? In which way is trust the English word any more important than, say, cognates in, in other languages and, and so on? So so this second order level, you need some agreement on it in order for you to arrive or for a community, for a social science um, literature to, to agree on how it's best to use the word trust but it's not always clear to participants in the disputes that there is this other level. And when it does become clear, uh, I don't think there is any method or, or, or clear principle to, to move forward. And so what you do instead is you start to put together what you call a, a logic of inquiry toolkit. I was wondering if you could perhaps elaborate upon uh, the, this, this toolkit and, and, and what it 
and how it, it can perhaps you know serve uh, you know the, the the purpose that this quest for definitions has not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, logic of of social science in in the broadest sense. I am only talking about a, a specific part of it, mm-hmm. um, and namely how to use words and distinctions. So um, the first thing to say here is that if I if I'm right, these questions about what is something, say what is F, what is class, or what is democracy, or what is religion, they have no answer. So they, they have no correct or true answer. It's not something I cannot see how how you could determine what religion is. Again, in the same way that I don't know how to say what the sandwich is, I think the question is badly phrased, badly badly conceived of. So I try to move these, you know, these questions of the form "What is F?" Um, which you might say, just to use a fancy term, they are sort of ontological or something like that, uh, into questions about the uses of words and distinctions. So it's rather something like, how should we, in our research community, use the word uh, intelligence? So this is the first move. Now, the fact that there is no right answer, that it's pointless to ask, uh, that it's pointless to, to search for truth in this domain, from this, um, I try to argue that um, we are rather in a domain of practical reason. So what we are after when we ask ourselves as a community, as a group of researchers, um, what should we, how should we use the word nationalism is a question about the good. It's about a question, question about what would be good for everyone involved. Um, there are a lot of difficulties here, as you can, as you can feel, um, but Basically, once you move, you change the nature of the question, you enter into a realm that sometimes is called practical reason. You can associate it with more of a moral slash political realm where the question is uh, what kind of policy or decision will benefit us and who are we and, you know, benefit us in which ways and so on. So you elaborate upon this toolkit throughout uh, the, your book, and, and you create a very clear distinction between words and distinctions, and you frame it using this this tool, which I'll be honest, I, I had some difficulty fully, uh, you know, uh, you know, distinguishing in terms of the, the, the distinctions between the two, is is uh, uh, what you call WF and DF. And I was wondering if you could perhaps elaborate a bit about you know uh, about you know the word goes first, which is WF. The distinction goes first, and, and maybe give uh, an example of, of of the two different approaches that you're talking about using there. So the 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 first, or or let's say another move that you need to start making progress in in this in this uh, field or in this domain, is to um, clarify what exactly the question is. And so sometimes when a community discusses, uh, you know, these key words, two things get uh, confused, or so I argue. One is a question about that starts with a word, T, 
typically, let's say, well, let's say that it's a word in English. And the question that we are asking is how it should be used. The word is fixed. So you have the English word, uh, I don't know, revolution or the English word altruism. And there are many ways in which it could be used in research uh, and also in your findings and policy implications and so on. And, and then we are asking which of these ways should we use and which ones we should. And of course, I'm putting aside the question of on which grounds, which criteria, et cetera, et cetera, just now trying to clarify what the issue is. Um, slightly different is a question that starts with a distinction. So forget for a moment um, natural language, forget for a moment English and words, mm-hmm. and say you have a bunch of objects, let's say... Um, Tax, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, or or you know, or or you know, to maybe I'm thinking. Let's go back to the to the religion example. So you have okay. Christianity, and you have have Judaism, and you have Islam, and you have Banda, you have uh, Confucianism, and then you say, I or we would like to draw a distinction between these entities here and these other entities among these that I mentioned, creating two groups or three groups. Um, for these reasons, and we are not calling any of these groups a religion or not. In a way, it doesn't matter how the English word, uh, which English word applies. It's just good for our research because, for instance, if you do statistical analysis, then you know splitting and lumping things this way will produce certain kinds of models or, or results or th- that you you want. Now, these two things are very much connected. You know, starting with words and asking about word uses and starting with distinctions and asking what is the right distinction. Just to give you an example, the use of a word in a certain way, to use a word in a certain way entails a distinction. So you might say, let's use religion in this or that way. And then as a consequence, Confucianism isn't a religion, mm-hmm. right? Uh but what, but my point is to show that they are analytically distinct, um, starting with words and starting with distinctions. And you also you, you show this uh, in the book, and you show how we can employ it to have a clearer discourse or a, a more productive uh, dialogue, and, and that's the part which I find so uh, uh, you know useful in, in terms of what you're arguing is the fact that we make. Uh, you know, clear distinctions. We uh, work through them, but at the same time, you are not, you know, proclaiming this as a fix-all. You're saying that there that there are issues with this approach, but it offers us a a clearer way of conducting social science inquiry than constantly arguing over the definitions of what constitutes a sandwich. Yeah. So, on the one hand, um, I think yeah that that what I'm proposing is that. The way things work at the moment are are bad. They are bad. They, they are bad for a number of reasons. First of all, there is what you say about miscommunication and misunderstandings, and basically using uh, the same word in different ways. I think many people notice that. I don't know that people know how to move forward with it when uh, you know there is a there is a a disagreement about how a word should be used. 
also, I don't know that, well, certainly in the social sciences, now I, I, you know, there might be disciplinary differences, but there is this idea that you are free to define your words however you wish, as long as you're clear. So you start your paper by saying, I am going to define science this way, or, you know, my definition. And I think this is, this is a mistake. Um, this basically you end up with some kind of uh, humpty dumpty sort of position where where you can basically define words in a crazy way mm -hmm. um, and nobody has any right to respond because you are free to do so so I don't think this uh, good policy either um, so so in that sense I think the situation is quite bad and then as I said before the fact that disputes uh repeat themselves is also a sign that something is uh going wrong but the second point I think it's important about why the situation is not quite right is that as a matter of fact the people who decide how to use words and which distinctions to accept are the people who are in a position of power to say so. It is as though the fact that you, you know, are the chair of a committee deciding what's the best book in the sociology of culture, or that you are, you know, a fancy professor somewhere uh, in the US or, or Western Europe, gives you the authority also to fix the extension of these words. And this is a mistake because your expertise is an expertise, it's a substantive expertise. You certainly know a lot about your subject matter and you have all the experience, et cetera, et cetera. But how to use words and which distinctions to draw, as I said at the beginning, is not that sort of question. There is no right answer, but rather is a question to be decided by everyone in a democratic way and oriented towards uh, the common good. I think it, it's, I mean, I, I think what you're proposing is an admirable goal. And I, I also uh, appreciated the, your, your modesty that, that you expressed near the end of your book, where you address the these criticisms that people might have for what you're doing, that they might accuse you of trying to oppose a standardization. They might accuse you of being uh, perhaps a little utopianistic in, in, in terms of what this might achieve. And, and yet what you're showing, it, it, you're, you're very clear in what you're saying here is that you, you're talking about, what you're talking about in a sense is what social scientists already do. You're, what you're proposing in the end seems to be that you know, the ways in which we could do it more effectively and in a way that also is per, it, it, it more, that does it more positively. So we're not constantly create, you know, creating, you know, uh, uh, animosity amongst one another or, or creating disputes amongst one another over what really is kind of secondary so, sometimes to the overall goal that we're trying to achieve. E even though, as you point out, the, the stakes that are involved in, that oftentimes flow from these is, is are, are so great in terms of careers and and, and standings and 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 uh, and, and uh, you know and and uh, you know pr presence in the, in the disciplines you made a couple of points there let me let me try to respond mm -hmm. the the first one is that I I try to respond to a lot of objections because I in a way the book is an unfinished um 
thing. It's it's an invitation, and as you saw, it's framed as an invitation. And and the reason is that um, it follows from my own argument that I am in not a position to dictate how these things should work. Um, if these uh, issues are to be democratically uh, decided on through deliberation and, and other similar procedures, then all I can do is to make a suggestion, make a proposal, and invite you, meaning you, the people who are, I mean, you, Mark, and the people who are listening, and my colleagues and friends, and so on, to discuss the not only the uses of particular words and drawing particular distinctions, but the second order uh, procedures that I mentioned before, namely on which grounds are we going to judge what makes one word use better than another, or and so on and so forth. So, so in that sense, um, I am, you know, I'm inviting people to um, to start a conversation. But also, it's unfinished in the sense that there are no problems. <laughs> so this is this is this is a very difficult. Um, you know, in in the book, there are a lot of technical and 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 you know places where you can raise objections and, and so on. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be happy if people, you know, show me to be wrong, show, show that I'm wrong here or there. Um, but I try to defend them against the most, the strongest objections that I, that I can think of. The, the other point that you made is whether something is being done along these lines already. And this is tricky because in a way, no. But there is a sense in which I try to reconstruct some things that are happening as contributions to a collective deliberation about word uses and distinctions. So when you when you read, you know, when you attend a conference about what is capitalism or, or read a special issue about what is populism, I think at least sometimes the authors assume that there is a right answer that they can pin it down that, um, and I think this is a mistake. On the other hand, if you're charitable and, you know, you say, well, look, I mean, actually what is going on there is that people are saying, this is why we should use the word populism in this way. And this will further these five desiderata that we, you know, that are uh, good for political science or, or whatever it might be. And so I think I can I can piggyback on on what's going on, or or you know just try to include these discussions by saying that if you frame them correctly, or if you redescribe them in in a slightly different way, then we are to some extent doing it. Now, um, the there are some differences. There are some things that are not happening. So I think. Um, it has to be very clear to everyone that in a deliberative uh, democracy, everyone gets one vote, and or some or similar. I mean, it doesn't need to you don't need to vote, but everyone has the same say, and also that stakeholders have to be involved, which is quite I think extreme in the sense that I'm trying to involve ordinary people in the methodology of social science, and this has quite tricky consequences, but I think it's the only uh, defensible uh, approach. 
I, I agree. I mean, it's it's and it's a very very valuable one for the for the discipline more generally. We appreciate the time you've taken to speak with us, but before we go, could you tell us what you're working on now? One project, one project that that I'm working on. Uh, um, let, let me let me mention one project I'm working on. So, uh, suppose you insert a bill into a vending machine, you press a couple of buttons, and gives you a bag of chips. So, so would you say that that the vending machine decided to give you a bag of chips? What, what do you think? Um, <laughs> um, that that's I don't think it has a decision. It's more like a a binary choice, and it's compelled to do one or the other. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, some people will say it's just automatic, or or you know, it it doesn't have a choice. It's not like the vending machine has a choice. Now, if you suppose now that a self driving car stops at a traffic light. Or, or an AI algorithm analyzes 200 job applications and outputs who the best candidate is to, to offer the job to them. Now, then it gets trickier because mm-hmm. some people will say, yes, well, the car made a choice or the AI algorithm, precisely what it means to be autonomous uh, is that it can decide who the best candidate is. And um, so I'm interested in what sort of things are seen as capable of making decisions, and in particular, AI, mm-hmm. um, which which you know that are very important today, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So with we, we, that with that team um, at Lucerne, we're running a survey to examine how people attribute the capacity to make decisions to human agents and non-human agents, um, and then who's responsible for the outcomes, which is you know whether the outcome is a happy one or an unhappy one, uh, uh, who's responsible. So, so that's one thing I'm working on. That sounds like a really fascinating project and one that I... I just find so relevant considering what we talk about when we talk about the notion of artificial intelligence uh, in, in in its you know most fundamental concept, you know, it, with all the questions about free will and so forth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, well, Gabriel, thank you very much for taking some time out of your schedule to speak with us. I hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, thank you. Thank you. That was fun.